0: So this week we're talking a little music, we're talking a little television, we're even talking a little bit about computers. And then Facebook has to Uh, come along and sprinkle its dust on top.
1: It sounds like the perfect recipe for a thing.
0: Yes. (sighs) It's time to do the thing, Nancy.
2: Let's do this thing. Something kind of fun the other day.
0: Yes, we did.
2: And for those of you who aren't on our Facebook page, first off, why aren't you? Second off, get that sorted out right now. Facebook.com slash a thing pod.
0: Slash pod thing.
2: Oh, pod thing. Sorry. We got (laughs) so many variations of our.
0: Well, Twitter. (laughs) All right. So Twitter and Facebook are both. At pod thing. Okay. Our email address is a thingpod at gmail.com. Okay. Totally not a plug. Totally not a plug.
1: Hashtag no plug. (laughs) But
0: um, but if you want to send us an email or a tweet or a Facebook thing, yeah, go for it.
2: there, There there are your outlets right there. You've got your three. So for those of you who weren't on our Facebook page, we went live. And because we were at a concert, not just any concert,
0: we got to go see the legacy of the beast.
2: We got to see the grandfathers of rock and roll as they self-proclaimed last night.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, they are getting up there in age.
2: <laughs> I, so we, we went to go see Iron Maiden and it was fantastic. Um, we'll get into our we'll thoughts and the- everything.
0: We'll talk about um, the concert, but I think this whole experience should be talked about.
2: Yes. Um, so we should probably start at the beginning <laughs> when we decided that we wanted to roll up to the concert. Because we didn't go for the opening act.
0: No, we did not. Um,
2: we were on a mission. We knew who we wanted to see.
0: Yeah. Neither us nor the friend that we were with cared about the opening act. and We had some friends there already who had some spots on the lawn that they could get to. So we were able to find them. We eventually got there. But no, we went to Chili's first. We did go to
2: Chili's. (laughs) And I could feel God in that Chili's.
0: So, yeah, that guy looked like he hated his life. He, like,
2: he looked so defeated. On the plus side, he did hook us up with the Alchemahalls.
0: I think he wanted to go to the concert and he couldn't because nobody would uh, cover his shift. <laughs> yep.
1: Yeah. So
2: instead, we walked in and we're like, we're going to go see Iron Maiden. And like, we just ruined his day. It's like,
1: okay. I don't like, think we ruined
0: his day. I think he decided to make our day. So this guy gave us draft beer mugs filled with our well drinks.
2: They were massive. And I also had a well drink, but I did not get the beer mug, probably because I'm a smaller woman, but I also ordered tequila and cranberry.
0: And that Jameson (laughs) Coke went down smooth and quick, because by the time we got our drinks, we realized we had to leave.
1: We were
2: having to chug them. We had to get our bathroom breaks out of the way, because going to bathrooms at concerts is never good
0: Yes, I managed to avoid that.
1: I couldn't. I tried.
0: So, we... We leave Chili's, right? Guy hooks us up on price, so shout out to that bartender for hooking up a discount.
2: Yes, it was much appreciated. From one person who went way out of their budget to go to this concert, to a person who couldn't go because work life sucks sometimes. Much appreciated.
0: Yes. So then we start the great hunt for parking around the venue. So the venue we saw (laughs) that is located (laughs) is located north of us. It's in a very built-up area in the woodlands. Um, You have like hoity-toity. You have like this nice shopping district across from it and next to it in the mall, and you can pay for parking at the venue, and it's twenty bucks flat rate. We didn't do that. We did not. We drove around and found a parking meter and paid half the price for four hours.
2: And it was a very quick
0: walk. Now, the entire concert from the time the opening band went on to the time Iron Maiden left stage was only about three and a half hours. So we actually would have been fine for the whole show.
2: Right. Like we said, we did not go see the opening act because we decided to go get turned to the Chili's. Um.
0: (laughs) Yeah. And then we got turned... At the venue, and I want to talk about our entrance to the venue, because that was annoying.
2: The Oh, yeah, so we're going to spend a minute on this, because as we've both been advocating now for many a podcast, Cory and I both vape. We've talked about it now, I think, consistently for the past three episodes, at and least.
0: come back again.
2: And it's back again, guys. So we roll up to the venue. And, you know, we're getting everything situated, pulling all this stuff up, and they see the vapes in our hands, and they're like, oh, did you bring the juice for your vapes? And we said, yes.
0: Hindsight, we should have fucking said no. Because they make you check your juice at the door due to their no-liquid policy, which I understand no outside liquids involved. They want you to only spend their prices on things, albeit from bottles of water to a beer, whatever.
2: Which we'll get
0: to. The problem I have with this policy, though, is that this insignificant amount of liquid that I'm not going to drink is used to refill my vaporizer, much like a smoker takes a cigarette out of a pack and lights it. Cigarette lighters contain fluid and they are allowed in because they're in a container that they feel cannot be opened. You can open a lighter and get to the lighter fluid. Fairly simple.
2: And Um, on top of that... I can bring my, I can bring my e-juice or my, my, my juice basically into the airport. As long as it's not in a bottle that exceeds over a hundred milliliters, I can walk into the airport with, you know, X amount of bottles of juice and no one bats an eye.
0: People walk in with blunts and joints rolled in packs of cigarettes and they don't check for that, but you got to stop those vapors from bringing in their e-juice because no liquids.
2: Yep. We're the problem. Not the...
0: Copious not amounts of people. Not the seventeen dollar beer that you charged me for, <laughs> which is art, which is irritation number two. So Ew, I ordered my beer, it? get my beer. You know, I'm, gonna, I'm expecting to pay like ballpark prices. And that's ballpark like price what nine ten. That that's like eleven bucks. Okay. And my second beer was closer to that range, but I had them pour the beer. And as, and, you know, she tells me what it is, and as she turns the screen around, they're already pouring, so it's too late to say no, and there I am drinking a $17 St. Arnold's beer. I'm not the biggest fan of Oof. Art Bar. I got it because I saw it, and it was there. Unfortunately, it was not worth a $17 beer. I don't even buy that beer for $10 for a six-pack.
2: But then you you basically were just stuck with it because it was too little, too late, The poor was happening before you had the chance to say no. They didn't even tell you how much it was. They're like, this is Mm -hmm. what it is.
0: But, you know, that's okay. Because by the time I dealt with that fiasco, we got to our spot and Maiden was on stage kicking it off with Ace's High and a full-size fucking Spitfire on the stage.
1: It
2: was so cool. And that, so that's the one thing I really want to talk about. Because I, I've never been to a kind of concert like this, I'll say. Like an older, mean? like an older, more well-established band, right? I've seen, I, I've gone to many concerts, but a lot of them have been of like the pop punk or indie circuit. The I biggest names, like the biggest names I guess I've seen would be like Avenge Sevenfold.
0: Right. I see what you're saying because I've seen bands with a back catalog now that, well, Iron Maiden is now as large as theirs was then when it comes to like seeing Rush and Alice Cooper when I saw them and and Ronnie James Dio, who had that established back catalog, that greatest hits monologue that they can play where you just know all the jams they're going to play, which is very much what this tour was. And it
2: was great. I I do know... I didn't know a lot of the songs that were playing, which I appreciated because I'm more of a casual Iron Maiden fan, but there was never a song from Iron Maiden that I didn't like, which is why I had no problem springing for these tickets. (laughs) Well, I hesitated, but I still did it.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I talked you into it. I won't lie. I did my best.
2: No, it was was fine. It was was totally worth it. Um, And I'll say that they put on a show.
0: So... They do, and one of the things I love about their stage show is how much they change it just throughout the actual set they play. All the different backdrops, the the costumes, the acts, like, you know, during they played the Trooper. Out comes Mm -hmm. their British soldier, Eddie, with a sword, and sword fights Bruce Dickinson on stage. Um, That was so much
2: fun to watch. Which, you know, (laughs) with
0: the sword that he's swinging around as he's singing Klansman right... It's
2: clansman um, with a c we gotta make sure we specify
0: yes as he said <laughs> if you're gonna put it on youtube clansman has a fucking c i do want to take a moment to say i appreciate him when they when he did his little intro his first question was all right be fucking honest with me how many of you came here by boat
2: <laughs> because we had just taken on a whole bunch of water just not even four or five days prior
0: like in the like 72 hours beforehand the city was underwater.
1: But we came out in droves.
0: <laughs> yeah, 12,000 strong. So, but, and that's the thing. I love the bandit interaction with the audience like that. Um, I do like the set piece changes. During the Flight of Icarus, they had the giant Icarus out. During Number of the Beast, they had the beast head out, spitting fire around. It was, it was great.
1: That,
2: that beast head was legit, though.
0: And, and like, I like that it
2: rotated,
1: like.
0: yeah. And this is all stuff they've been known for. They've always looked at how they can up their own stage show. And that's like me was mentioning with that Spitfire thinking, oh, that's going to end the show because it's one of the biggest things they've done. No, that's how they kicked it off.
2: <laughs> They're like, so we put it at the beginning. <laughs>
0: yeah. To talk more about it, guys, this is a this was a full size British Spitfire from World War Two replica. This thing wasn't like a small it's going to no, this was full size. It was huge. Like, we
2: could see it all the way in the back.
0: Like, you could see it detailed <laughs> in the back. Um, well, you I could. Got I'm blind. I got lucky enough to be able to make my way forward more.
2: I got assaulted.
0: Um, <laughs> they spilled your wine. They spilled your $10 <sighs> glass of wine.
2: Yes, okay. So here's some, here's some bullshit, right? So, like I said, I've been to many a concerts, and I've never once in my entire concert career had issues getting as close as physically possible to the stage, right? And we, we went during like one of like, not an intermission because they didn't really do that, but you know, some songs that were less on the importance list and before they kicked it off for like the last leg of their set. And we tried to get closer. And Corey and our other friend, the bearded wonder, the fuzz, Mr. Fuzzy, were able to just waltz on by. And I tried to. And the security guard just grabbed my wrist, which also had my $10 single serving of wine in it. And I, you know, can buy an entire bottle of wine for $10. And it spilled all over me. And I couldn't get any closer. I (laughs) lived.
0: So this is where I can tell a little bit different experience than what you had. So, after we go through and I catch up with him, we go to the first little gate to get close to the stage. Him and I both walk past. They grab his shirt, pull him back, check our tickets, point us off a lot of the direction. So we go to the next one. Same thing happens. So we go up and find a spot and just sit. And this guy comes over, checks our tickets, and pushes us away. And Fuzzy goes, I guess we could have picked a more inconspicuous spot that was kind of wide open. So then he walks, and we walk all the way up to the top where there's no one, walk down a couple rows to our actual section, walk all the way up to the front, and find this, this post. And we go back just a couple rows from it and find just a row empty with people around, sneak and shuffle in, and wait a few songs. And then during Fear of the Dark, we made our way up a little closer. We started pushing it that way and got as close as we could. And then as soon as the guys like, turned around to deal with someone else, we darted past them. <laughs> We made our way up a little bit closer. Um, We didn't get as close to the stage as we wanted, but we got close enough to where I could see pretty well without a zoom.
2: See, now for me...
0: And the guys whose I... seats we took were really cool about it, because when they came back, they looked at us and said, just, just the shorter one kind of was standing behind me, and I looked at him, like, no, nah, dude, stand in front. I'm taller. Pushed him in front so he could see better, and we all just hung there and bullshitted about made the rest of the concert. It was great.
2: See, and and that's great for you. Meanwhile... In the land of the lawn, which is where I returned to, I of co- I found my way closer to the lawn because we had met up with people prior who to who had left.
0: Let's just put think, that out there. They left. I'm not going to put their names, but they left.
2: Yes, they left way too soon. Like halfway through the set, they,
1: they decided left, to leave.
0: They left before they played Fear of the Dark and before they came out and played their encore with Hallowed Be Thy Name. I mean... You know, run to the hills. They came out before they left before they played like most of the number of the beast suite.
1: Right.
2: So I also, I was, you know, just, I was trying to get closer and to be in a more comfortable position. Right. So I found myself in an area, was in the lawn that was like not close enough where I was going to be standing in mud because I wasn't going to, I wasn't going to do that to myself. And I had a group of girls who were very happy to be there and their energy was great. But one girl was totally plastered and she ha- was head banging herself so dizzy that she ended up face planting into the mud.
0: <laughs> and you didn't get video of that to go live with?
2: I tried. But it wasn't like, ooh, let me just like live this girl really quick. It was like I was getting my phone out and then i look and next thing i know she's just covered in mud well and i was like damn it um so and then like they they brushed her off and i give her mad props to whoever this girl is out there because she didn't go to the bathroom to go clean up she just wiped a little bit of mud out of her eyes and then just went right back to headbanging she wasn't gonna leave until the show was over
0: it's dedication, and that's what these Iron Maiden fans show you is dedication.
2: I respected it. Um, what I didn't respect, though, was the man that was somewhat oh. near me that sound that smelled like rotten Parmesan cheese.
0: Oof.
2: disgusting.
0: Well, you got to think a lot of them have been out had been out there since the opening band took at seven thirty, um, and when we got there at an hour, almost an hour and a half later.
2: Right, and I mean, it was still hot. The sun
0: had gone down. Gross. And all those people in one room. Well, one area, not room, but one spot.
2: Yeah, and I mean, usually BO is something that, like, I just, like, I'll smell it, I'll hate it, and then I get over it. But it was just the type of smell that it was that I just would not get over.
0: Yeah, I could see that.
2: It's it's such a, like, like, Rotten (laughs) Parmesan is the closest I can come. And it's almost fairly accurate, but it's just one of those where you really would have had to have been there to know exactly how awful it was.
0: Yeah, probably.
2: (laughs) But outside of that, everyone else around me was really cool. I ended up making friends with like like an eight-year-old child who knew the songs a thousand times better than I did.
0: It's kind of cool, actually. Yeah. It, I, love seeing was, kids at, I love seeing young kids at concerts like that, especially for bands that can now spawn generations that like the parents have had kids who have now had kids.
2: Right. And I and it kind of reminds me of what Iron Maiden had said when they were just talking to the audience and how they took all their ages together and they predate the American Revolution.
0: <laughs> yeah. So technically, we're still there. They're still us. Yeah. So they still mm-hmm. own us. Technically, they predate it there and that's the thing he's a good he's charismatic as a front man that's what i love about bruce dickinson and he has a voice Mm. it's it's wavered a lot he has not sounded like he he did back in the day obviously but he's still hitting notes he needs to hit just not all the high ones but he knows when to let the audience do it and that's those high notes he kicks it to the audience at that point
2: yeah and he just makes it more fun it's like okay we've we've sang these songs for Decades now, we'll let you have it because Lord knows I can't do it anymore, but we're still gonna have fun, yeah, and that yeah, was they
0: rocked out and had fun,
2: yeah, everyone had a smile on their face, like they were jumping and spinning still and running all over the stage, granted, probably not at the same ferociousness that they may have you know thirty years ago, <laughs> they were yeah. still they were still doing the damn thing, and everyone was having. Fun time on stage, and that that speaks volumes because they've been doing this for how many years now, Corey?
0: 30 plus.
2: Right. So doing something for 30 plus years, but still having fun behind it, that's like a passion that I don't think many artists these days have.
0: It's not. You don't see a lot of newer bands stay together as long as some of these older bands have at all. I mean, Rush called it quits touring after 40 years. The Rolling Stones are still touring and almost like, 60 years that they've been touring. They're so old. <laughs> you know, Iron Maiden's been touring, albeit under some different lineups, and Bruce Dickinson isn't even their original singer. He actually only came on, I believe, Number of the Beast was his first album. Um that he was with the band and then they had another singer and then he came back. But as a band, they've been touring for 30 plus years. Um, kind of like ACDC was been touring for forever under two different frontmen. but you don't see that right. with a lot of and, modern bands. You don't sit there and sell it. You know, we're not sitting there celebrating the 10th anniversary of, you know, panic at the disco. <laughs>
2: right. Not a yet. yet panic, at the, panic at the disco. I think like fallout boy, they took their hiatus. They came back and Panic at the Disco. They had to swap out two people, but it was still Panic at the Disco. So they're still doing. But for the most part, a lot of the bands that I know aren't in that same like longevity.
0: Exactly. Like, or or they come or they take a long hiatus and come back. But then, you, do you really count that as them being a consecutive band that's you know hitting these anniversary marks when they weren't doing anything for certain years? Right. So that that takes another look at it.
2: That that does put it in a weird gray area because then, I mean, Fall Out Boy took a three-year hiatus. It was the longest three years of my life. I hated every second of it. But then they came back and it was joyous.
0: But it's things like that where they'll still make their 10 years of forming, but a lot of bands take a lot of time between albums too. And I've gotten used to that with bands that I follow taking, well, in some cases, 13 years. (laughs) Oof. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. But it's worth the wait.
2: Right. And I, I like that they teased that they were having maybe new songs somewhere in the distant future.
0: Well, I mean, they're still putting out albums every couple of years consistently. Yeah. Like, they haven't stopped. I, I, arguably, their new stuff, it's good. It's, of course, not as good as I think as a lot of their classic stuff. But, I mean, they're still cranking it out. Like let's see, Book of Souls is their newest album and it came out in 2015. Oh so it's wow, been four years.
1: Yeah. So that means they're about due.
0: Because yeah, what? Killers came out 81, and Iron Maiden came out in 80. Yeah, Iron Maiden came out in
1: 1980. So Corey, I have a question for you.
2: What was your introduction to Iron Maiden? Like I know you're with Rush and you're also Slightly older than I am, mm-hmm. but where did the where did the flame come that sparked the joy for Iron Maiden?
0: High school. Well, I discovered number the album number of the Beast almost just kind of on my own in a record shop because I thought the album art was cool. I bought it and been there ever since. Okay. I mean really it was that i was just looking for new music in high school because i was at a big 80s metal phase and i discovered iron maiden it's also when i discovered judas priest and motley crew i only listen to two of those bands still one of them was iron maiden
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> the other one is not motley crew so
2: i was gonna say i would be surprised if it was motley Crue
0: motley crew has its own special place in my heart for when i want to listen to shitty hair metal that's when i crank up like Mart- motley crew and poison
2: oh motley crew's got the hair metal some, some down some twisted, sister, you know? yeah, twisted sister is another one
1: that
0: makes that
2: big want... hair metal
0: yeah, super tight pants at, when i look at 80s metal itself i'm looking more at bands like iron maiden um, metallica's earlier stuff that thrash kind of sound um I'm looking at Judas Priest. I'm looking at Guns N' Roses. You know, those are more of what I'm looking for during the 80s era, Slayer, things like that. That's what I, That's where my 80s rock came from. And when I was listening to those bands and discovering them, it all started with picking up that Iron Maiden album. Aw. Yay.
1: <laughs> Opens up a whole world.
0: Now I just have an encyclopedia of music that I can just text at any point who will give me, like, a list of 20 bands depending on what I'm feeling like listening to.
2: How
1: times have changed.
0: How friends have changed.
1: (laughs) Combination of the two. Yeah.
2: Now, for me, like, if I want new music, outside of the wonderful recommendation that you gave me last night, it made my car ride home very enjoyable.
0: Oh, yeah, Joko's a treasure.
2: Joko is a treat, and I I very much enjoyed my drive home. Um, But if I want to find new music, I just... It's it's harder to these days, is I can just let my Spotify kind of take the wheel. But then my Spotify goes into some really weird places. Because I have some really eclectic songs that I very much enjoy, Mm -hmm. but it's only that specific song. So it kind of skewers the discovery for new music with Spotify and going to a record shop and like looking for album art. I just can't stand the people that go to record shops, so I can't personally do it.
0: (laughs) I don't really go to record shops anymore. Um, If I want to order an album, I'll order it online and have it shipped to the house. Um, But yeah, like I said, when I'm looking for new music, I actually do text the friend who got me the tickets to go to this concert and went with us. I'll text him and just tell him what I'm feeling, like what kind of mood I'm in for music, and he will send me recommendations of artists. So like if I'm in a mood for Prague, he'll send me a list, and he did. And actually, I've got to look up the Electric Octopus thing that he sent me. It looks they, they sounded good. Um, electric Octopus? Yeah, that's what he said the name was. Of course he'd like that. Um, there's Camel, another really good <laughs> band he recommended That is just a great Prague beat to it. So... It's that kind of stuff that you, you know, that's how I find out, find new music. I just ask people what they're listening to. If I like the way something sounds, I find out about it. Right.
2: And that's why it's important to have friends so you can have experiences, even if they ended up ditching you halfway
1: through. <laughs> exactly.
0: <laughs> so. Well, but, that was. So I want to talk a little bit about after the concert because we went to fridays
2: <laughs> yes so we started and, at chili's and then went to go turn up at a
0: fridays and the only reason i want to mention this is so that i can talk the dude who was not so obviously checking out miss nancy because it was hilarious
1: he
2: was gross looking too i i caught a glimpse and i was like what
0: there were four times that I looked up to look over at you where he is just dead ass staring at you and as soon as he noticed I noticed he turned away <laughs> like four times I dead ass caught him and then Fuzzy had caught him once or twice and it was hilarious oh that's great I didn't know
2: that Fuzzy caught him
0: oh yeah no when we, were walking, when we got back and Fuzzy looked at me and he goes he just held up a number three and I was like oh my god <laughs> I know exactly what it meant. But he was not so obvious about it, and I just wanted to put him on blast for a minute. Because if you're gonna do something like that, you gotta be more subtle,
1: right? Because that-
0: subtle is key. Because we all know that you're a guy, and you're going to check a woman out if you look at her and find her attractive. It's it's nature. Everyone does it. Women do it to men. But it's about men how do it to men, you- women do it to women. Exactly, in general, <laughs> it's human nature. But when you do it, you have to do it to where you don't make the other party uncomfortable. So it's called being subtle. Dead ass staring at somebody is not subtle.
2: No, it's the quickest way for me to get like the heebie-jeebies.
0: Like, and ugh. if it. If it was one of those moments where I looked up and it was he took a quick glance and looked back, that's one thing. But no, it was he dead ass stared until I looked at him.
1: Like, dude, back off.
0: <laughs> like, shoot the daggers. On,
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, I did look good yesterday. I
2: was able to get back to my roots a little bit,
0: which was nice. Meanwhile, we had but... an unplanned Dragon Ball theme.
2: That was it. Was very very funny that you guys both rolled up Dragon yeah, like Ball. I sat
0: there and I picked up two shirts. One was Dragon Ball, one was D and D, and I was like, "Which one's gonna fit better for a theme of Iron Maiden?" I was like, "They're both gonna fit very well. Uh, Dragon Ball, because at least if I get if so if, if we get separated, you'll have something very clear and easy to look at." And then he shows up in a Dragon Ball shirt.
2: <laughs> and I mean, me, I just had stars and moons and other like. Wiccan and celestial patterns on my shirt, It's like a Hot Topic shirt. So it's obviously not very deep.
0: Yeah, it was. I got the job done. Not goth. Yeah, I know. (laughs) (sighs) Make Hot Topic 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 goth again. Hot Topic has a very specific purpose in my life anymore, and that is to find some Dragon Ball items, usually, and that's about it.
2: Yeah, not even pop figurines.
0: Like not even Dragon Ball items. Half the time when I go online for them now. I just... There's no point in going into Hot Topic. I remember when Hot Topic actually was more gothic. And that's where you would go to get, like, your like your metal albums and you'd get... Your trip
2: pants and...
0: You know, they didn't really have all those video game. They didn't really have video game shirts or niche, nerdy, like, clothes. It was more...
2: Disney. That's it my was... favorite addition to Hot Topic is all yeah, the Disney shit.
0: It, is, it was more niche to the metal scene, kind of. The music scenes... Catered toward that, where you could find all the band shirts for classic bands and newer bands that you like that were officially licensed things. and
1: <sighs> Or I can
2: even just get my like alternative shirts. Like, I, I very much appreciate like the, the edgier culture that goes with the punk and the goth and like the rock. I love the fashion, I, uh, I like rip tights and boots and Hot, all that stuff.
0: And they stopped
2: catering. By- I Come know. On. And then like now it's like, just Disney and Harry Potter and anime. And then it's like, I've got a small section well, of like, you can maybe make this look edgy in the back. <laughs> and I'm
0: like, you know, <laughs> and I was okay when Hot Topic started catering toward that anime audience because a lot of metalheads are anime. Mm-hmm. Like it's, it's just, it's the
2: funniest like, thing. Because, I, I well, love it. <laughs>
0: Look at the shows we like, though. Well, maybe not me so much, because I do like such a wide range of animes. Like, I'm currently still watching a baseball anime. Oh, goodness. Let's talk more about, like, <laughs> like our mutual friend. He, big fan of Berserk, Dragon Ball, uh, EVA. Those are more action-oriented and more heavy shows. Actually, Eva's soundtrack was very metal-influenced in the 90s, when the original dub. So And
2: I know the animation styles too. Like they can mm-hmm. get a little gory, and things get kind of intense, and it's just like Rah. more brutal, right? I like my Rah, explanation a little bit better, but sure. you get it.
0: <laughs> the, and that, and that's the thing. So I was okay when Hot Topic carry, started carrying like anime shit, but then when they started catering more toward the, that you know, started grabbing everything pop culture. the more pop culture stuff, and hey, Stranger Things is popular, so we're going to put this in our stores now and sell all these old D&D-styled shirts that people buy because they don't care about D&D. It's just cool looking at Hot Topic for Stranger Things.
2: I knew, I knew Hot Topic was going downhill once I started seeing like the Disney stuff. Like, that's really...
0: When Jack Skellington started showing up on a lot of things in there is when, about the time, I stopped going in.
2: No, that was still, that was still me, because I definitely had a Jack Skellington hoodie from Hot Topic that I wore into the fucking ground
0: with my double-layered
2: be studded belt and my why ripped jeans it? and my rocket dogs because I couldn't afford Converse.
0: So, question then, why is it that every quote-unquote edge girl has an obsession with Jack Skellington?
2: Because he's our bone daddy. Um, <laughs> no, so, I appreciate Jack Skellington for a very different reason. So, I'm really not the girl this question to.
0: Um like most but, people want like the romance that him and Sally have, but is that really something to model yourselves on?
2: I mean, it's it's a not bad relationship. I mean, Sally's relationship or like entire situation is kind of sketch, but
1: mm-hmm.
2: she willingly like she basically initiates it. So she is like, Oh, I'm interested. She starts like, like he's you know, investigating what Christmas is and I guess spoilers for this movie, but no, no, no spoilers. Y'all should have done seen this, but so she starts to feed him, and like their relationship grows and she supports and cares for him. So it was actually a fairly healthy relationship, but I think the appeal to Jack Skellington is that he's supposed to be this super scary, you know, king of Halloween, right? But then he gets all soft and conflicted and kind of emo. (laughs) So... I mean, as a younger girl, I could see how that was appealing because he was able to be such a scary individual. But then you saw that soft, sensitive, and very curious side. And I enjoy Jack Skellington as a character. I think he's a very well-written, very well-rounded character. Um, I actually don't like like that movie. I I actually do
0: not like The Nightmare Before Christmas. I don't know why. I just never have. It's never interested me.
2: Oh, no. I love it. I watch it from November through December. Um, so, or not even, October through December. Like, that entire window is Nightmare Before Christmas as much as I want, and then Harry Potter movies as much as I want, and I no can one can say anything. I appreciate- the season.
0: <laughs> I do appreciate Nightmare Before Christmas. I appreciate the art, the clay style, all of that. I just don't enjoy the movie. Like, for every- it has a lot of merits going for it. It's just not for me.
2: Yeah, I guess that's fair. I mean, for me, it's it's appealing because it helps me stomach Christmas. Because you know, I don't like Christmas. It's it's I not a secret. Christmas. Well, you're Jewish, so that's <laughs> different. But spoilers. I don't... <laughs> oh, I didn't mean to out you. <laughs> <laughs> but <laughs> um, I I clock out on the holidays after Halloween, and I don't kick back up until St. Patty's Day now because I'm. Over twenty one. Um, but I don't even
0: care about Saint Patrick's Day. Woo, let's go get drunk because we wanna think we're Irish. It's the same thing as Cinco de Mayo in this country. Why do Americans celebrate Cinco de Mayo?
2: I don't know. And they're like, it's Mexican independent. It's like, no, it's not. But this is we're getting way off topic here.
0: <laughs> and, and and Saint Patrick's Day isn't even an American holiday. And most Americans don't know what it's for. They just use it as an excuse to drink and everyone's this. Look, guys, if you want an excuse to drink, just say you're going to go drink. You don't need a holiday to do it. You can just drink on the days that end in Y. It's okay.
2: (laughs) It's the best way to gauge it. But what I'm saying is it's just like it's I finally stopped being so bah humbug because it's like, yeah, I'll go out with my friends who are all going to go out and I'll just watch them be drunken idiots on St. Patrick's Day. It's also my dad's birthday. So, like, slightly different, I guess. Um, But um, with The Nightmare Before Christmas, I mean, it helps me, like, find that, like, wonder a little bit more. So I'm not as cynical during the holidays. (laughs) So, because he's just, he's curious. Something different. The only
0: holiday mute movie that I enjoy watching to this day still is Jingle All the Way.
1: Mine's Die Hard.
0: I don't consider Die Hard a Christmas movie.
2: Well, then you're wrong. wrong. <laughs> Sorry.
0: <laughs> I don't consider a movie that takes place during Christmas a Christmas movie. I consider a Christmas movie a movie that is solely focused on Christmas as a whole or the idea or something to do with Christmas. Well, see, so... you don't
2: Christmas, so your, your entire argument is invalid anyway.
0: But, and One that's exactly why discussion. I can make this argument, <laughs> because I don't have the nostalgic attachment to these movies representing a holiday that I don't celebrate that's You know, I'm not going into my thoughts on Christmas because that's the quickest way to get us (laughs) deplatformed. Right.
2: Um, So
0: let's not do that. Let's talk about Halloween. (laughs) is Is it has to be Christmas centric. So a movie like Jingle All the Way where Arnold is getting a toy for his son for Christmas is a Christmas movie. A movie like Die Hard that just so happens to take place during Christmas and mentions that it's Christmas isn't focused on Christmas. It's focused on terrorists in a building.
2: But it's a Christmas miracle. That he was able to get the terrorist out of the building.
0: No, it's John McClane in writing. It's called plot armor, Nancy. <laughs> You've watched enough Dragon Ball with me to understand what plot armor is.
2: I do. I, I do understand plot armor and more than I should. You're turning me into a weeaboo. But it's okay.
0: I'm turning you into someone. now. I'm turning you into a critic. Who can find bad writing reasons.
2: <laughs> so, but I want to stop talking about Christmas because... It's it's the season of spoop, and we've kind of started talking about my least favorite instead of you know going over this. And this started at Iron Maiden,
1: so
0: <laughs> yeah. I mean, I could. I'm gonna link during Christmas, guys. I think I may intro the podcast with my favorite Christmas song, so stay tuned. Ooh, yeah, be I actually have. I have. I have a favorite Christmas song. I I'll, do too. I will send it to you offline so you can understand why.
1: Okay.
2: And then Bye. I shall send you mine as well.
0: Those we will... Spoilers. You may hear those during the jingle season.
2: This is not <laughs> the, the jingle, jingle season.
0: season. This is the season white spo- cats and cobwebs.
2: Cobwebs. No, they're called spiderwebs now. The cobwebs you've kept up all year are now spiderwebs in their holiday season.
0: I th- actually think cobwebs are creepier because a place that hasn't been opened and has cobwebs but no spiders, I think that's <clears throat> creepier.
1: Because spiders, you have an obvious
0: reason for why there's webs. Cobwebs, you know it's old and you don't know what all this dust is that's collected in a house that's had nobody in it. Where can all this dust come from?
2: Right, so where is it all settled in? What kind of breeze? What's died in here? What skin particles have come out of where?
0: Exactly. So, So... (laughs) needless to say, we enjoyed Iron Maiden, I think. (laughs)
1: Yeah, it
2: was, it was a fun time, separation and all. I'm really glad I could have the experience and, and see the show and put one of the classic artists
0: under my belt. Yes, I'm glad I could knock them off my band bucket list. A few more to go, so we'll see what happens.
2: <laughs> yeah, so that was super fun. And I think in terms of all things... Spoop and with demon heads, and you know, the season is dawning. I think it's time that we jump into talking about Stranger Things.
0: Woo, yeah, we talk about Stranger Things season three, episode uno.
1: Corey,
2: you know how much I feel like death today, right? Mm-hmm. Yep, so I kind of think. Like
0: this, do, do you kind of feel like the streets of our city? congested and Ooh. cloudy?
2: You know, it's more... <laughs> it's more than just feeling like the weather outside. Um, I'm starting to feel a certain season coming on. One that I'm really hyped for.
1: Oh. Yes. The season of spook. Where spoop. ghosts and
2: ghouls and witches all come out and I, I could basically... Passes a zombie right now. So I want to talk about some spoopy stuff.
0: Sounds good to me. What kind of spook we doing?
2: I think we're going to go out of this world first. And then we'll work our way back down.
0: Are we talking about crazy guitar players for washed up punk bands talking about aliens?
2: That's exactly what we're talking about today. Shout out to Blink-182 for... Ending up in a part of the news I was not ready to see them in.
0: More specifically, Tom DeLonge and some tweets he retweeted. Oh,
1: yes.
2: So (laughs) to kind of catch you guys up to what we're talking about. Tom DeLonge, which is how you say his name, at least to my understanding.
0: Whatever. Angels and Airwaves was a shitty band, so whatever.
2: I mean, Blink 182 is not that much better. Ooh, I went there. <laughs> yeah,
0: them and Pl- out of the Blink 182s, verse them and Plus 44 were okay. Angels and Airways was just bleh.
2: I really liked Plus 44. Plus 44 actually takes like a, a, a better, it, it's up a notch in my
0: They were a little punkier. Well,
2: yeah. yeah. They were a and- little
0: punkier. I actually really, I actually still have that debut album of theirs somewhere.
2: I I was actually li- listening to it not that long ago, just because when I clean my house I have to put punk music on. It's like my my Mexican house cleaning music. It's punk music. I, I flip between the two, so I I was definitely listening to their discography, of, you know, the debut album and then a couple like EPs that they released. But they they I can probably do that more so than with Blink One Eighty Two, which has some some good songs, but is not. I don't
0: know,
1: not enough
0: to, like, really
1: be like, yeah, I like it. Yeah. Uh. I don't know. (laughs) Blink-182 is
0: one of those bands where it's, like, you either love them or you hate them. There's really no in-between.
1: I'm, like, the shoulder struggling. It's okay.
0: Yeah. But, anyway, those retweets that... He retweeted some alien stoofs, and the videos Mm -hmm. he... Retweeted, the Navy has confirmed or still explained as unidentified. Um, UAE's, the like, hey, by the way. No. Or UEA's or whatever. Unexplained Aerial Objects is what they call them.
1: Ooh,
2: that's not good.
0: One looks so like a suppository. Been... A suppository? It's <laughs> so what one of these things looks like. If you look at it, because I've seen one of these videos before when it first suffered, it looks like it they, they call it a tic tap shaped ship doing Rapid asc- ascents and descents in the atmosphere between 20 to 30, 40, 50,000 uh, feet at a time. They're calling it a tic tap shape. God damn, it looks like a damn suppository.
2: Do you think that's to prep us for the probing?
0: I mean, they were hovering over, amid, over some object <laughs> in the ocean that they were trying to, to rise. Maybe they've already dropped suppositories in the Earth.
2: What if we're the suppositories?
0: <laughs> I honestly think they were just here doing camera maintenance and South Park had it right the whole time.
2: Oh, oh, oh yeah? What, what did South Park have right? I,
0: we're just and- an alien reality TV show of a bunch of different species put on one planet to see how we survive.
2: And how are we looking so far in terms of length of survival? Because from my eyes, I don't think we're doing too hot.
0: I don't know. We'll see. We have war on the horizon apparently. We'll see.
1: Huzzah. Uh,
0: yeah. And it's last week's little vape thing. I guess it is war as a distraction story now. Pum bum bum to distract you um, from the vapes.
2: Oh no. <sighs> so oh, speaking of distractions and government conspiracies, I think we should probably move on to our next topic on our spoop agenda for today.
0: Oh, yay, we get to review a show. We
2: do. The long, long long-awaited first episode review of Stranger Things Season Mm 3.
0: Woo! Instead of doing this as its own separate, (laughs) quote-unquote, dive-in podcast, what we've decided to do is take it episode by episode and review them from now until spoops over.
1: Which is gonna be great! Because... The shoe,
2: the, sh- the shoe, the show. Got a really big shoe sure,
0: really big shoe for you tonight. Really big <laughs> shoe.
2: I'm <clears throat> <A> medicated. Stop. <laughs> I, I feel like a 50 year old, 50 year old chain smoker, man. It's, it's not good. The vape's finally getting me. Oh no, it just hasn't put me out of my misery or into a coma yet. It needs to hurry up because it's awful.
0: Ugh. So stranger things. Season three. I'm not going to lie. I still am not the biggest Stranger Things fan, so I did not have high expectations going into this season.
2: Right. And I think that's how you disclosed our last deep dive into Stranger Things season two. Was that you kind of tolerate this, but
0: you watch it? I'll watch it um that being said i did enjoy what episode one brought to the table seeing where everyone's at about a year or so later
2: it's really nice to like get the slice of life in the very beginning and i like how they do that and they did that really well with the first episode of the first season too is that we were just plopped right in there isn't like that weird like (laughs) back you know previously on stranger things and then like a little prologue and then like you jump into it they just take you know they take the episode and they're like this is what's this is where they're at now just kind of fill in pieces from there you got this
0: (laughs) right so i guess to begin (laughs) the first things you sit shows you are the russians those dirty russians opening the upside down
2: (sighs) they got their portal gun (sighs) except it's like a portal hydron collider it's massive and terrifying
0: very so they open it up and then it shows then it flips over to Hawkins which hey guess what apparently they have a mall now
1: well that's like a super like 80s thing right it's like
2: Malls are getting built, and, like, look at all this. This is where all the kids come to hang out. I mean, there's even a movie called Mallrats.
0: Yeah, but that came out in the 90s.
2: Well, I mean, I know, but the person that made it is a product of the 80s and 80s culture, is it not?
0: Yes, but Mallrats was more made to be a John Hughes movie than it was to be made a statement of mall life.
2: I mean, I guess. I just know I've spent a lot of time hanging out at malls, and I'm
0: not even... I did as well when I was in high school. Now malls really are dead, but no. I mean, the film Mallrats itself, though, was made more of an ode to kind of like a John John Hughes-style movie. Um, Those are things that he loved, and he's talked about it before. It was his ode to the mall, but it was also his ode to those kind of comedies. Okay, fair enough. But... I just find it convenient that every time they need a plot device, Hawkins gets one. <laughs> um, now, saying that, I am skipping over some facts where you're noticing where you do see 11, uh, Eleven and Mike are quote are actually dating, even though they're doing that whole teenage high school dating where it's just making out the whole time, much to Hopper's chagrin.
2: Oh my god, I love Grumpy Hopper. I love him so much. He's such a crotchety old man, and it just makes my heart so happy.
0: Like, he's got that look of he's seen some shit. And he's not taking no shit when it comes to his daughter.
2: Yeah, it's actually his daughter and the whole two inches. I
0: just love the, we're going to have a chat. And then I'll decide if you will be allowed to continue to date my daughter. God, Grumpy Dad Hopper is the best.
2: Oh, so good. I like, I... I understand that that's not necessarily, like, a good attitude to have towards a daughter and everything, but that's really a product of the times, though, is, like, we need to have a conversation.
0: I mean, he's got that thousand-yard stare. He's seen some shit, so that has a lot to do with it.
2: Right. And he's also trying not to kill him, and even though, like, he's the police chief and he could probably definitely just make Mike go away, um, he still needs to keep his daughter happy, too, so there's... You know, he's in a real tough spot, but I will say it was super cute how him and Joyce, like, are writing this, like, letter together and just, like, seeing them, like, interact and everything, like, talking about And she's like, oh, we're going to work on this together. Let's write it down. This is how you're a good parent and, like, how not into it Hopper was. He's like,
1: oh, this isn't what I meant.
0: And then he still doesn't follow it to have his heart to heart. No. And you see, now the, bo- the, the, the episode begins, though, with them sneaking into a movie and Will having a flashback to the Mind Flayer. So that's a good, that did show a way to kind of build what's going to happen this season. Um, also showing Steve working essentially at Baskin Robbins. Ahoy. Chips <laughs> ahoy. <laughs> and his, his strikeout attempts with girls at the counter was just. Funny to me.
2: I liked it. And I like how it's like, it's the hair, man. You guys are taking away my best asset. And then he had to go and cut his hair in real life and how he looks like weave. Have you seen that? I know I sent it to you. I saw it.
0: It doesn't matter to me. (laughs) Um, No,
2: I'm not okay with it. Like, he had such a beautiful, full, gorgeous mane of hair. And then he went to like a bowl cut that's so thinned out with like this weird, like porno mustache, like pedo mustache hybrid type deal. It's just for season four. None of it is okay.
0: It's just season four.
2: I do believe it's not for season four. I do believe it's for one of the new projects that he's working on. That's something I think it's, a. I I think it's another like TV series type deal that he's working on right now, but either way I'm uncomfortable and I hate it. Um.
0: So speaking of uncomfortable, I would say that's how a lot of the characters seemed to feel about Mike and Elle's relationship in general. Like when he was reacting around Lucas and them at the mall and them giving him shit for it like kids do. Um, The way the looks are when they just disappeared while they were walking with Dustin to go contact his girlfriend, who may or may not exist at this point.
1: (laughs) Uh, Susie.
0: Yes.
2: She, she's apparently she's apparently hotter than everyone else.
0: And in Utah. And he built a radio to specifically talk to her.
2: Which is so sweet. Dustin again, Dustin is my favorite character
1: of all time in this. Like I adore Dustin.
0: I identify more with Will. That's fair. Cuz he just wants but... to play D&D.
1: That's it. That's that's his whole mos.
2: Can we please just play D and D? But we haven't gotten there yet. <laughs> I, I do want to kind of go back to when Dustin got back. And he was all sad. like no one was answering. um you know his his tele- his walkie-talkie calls, and he gets home. and then all of a sudden, it, uh all the toys come to life And <laughs> it's. It-
0: he follows him with his hairspray. With and his,
2: hair, his Farrah Fawcett hairspray. And let's, let's
0: Lucas in the face.
2: Yes. After getting surprised and you just hear, ah, I can't even do the scream
0: right now. No, because it's just, says, no. Oh, it was funny.
2: Oh, um, it got me. It got me good.
0: And then you have uh, Billy who is the lifeguard now and makes his move on the Wheeler mom.
2: Oh, he really shot that shot and she was all for it.
0: Oh yeah, even <laughs> like so wearing a full face of makeup, that little red dress. Which you know what those little red dresses mean in in TV shows based on the eighties.
2: Mm-hmm. She went in, and like even the like the new swimsuit, and then of course like he noticed. He's like, I like the new swimsuit, so it's like obviously that's where she's been looking. So they've they they've apparently had a cat and mouse at the pool for a little while now. For before when we jump in.
0: Because yep, the women
2: already know the schedule and are ready
0: for... And they're, sitting, they're for drinking them. their new Coke.
1: Are you, are you a fan of new Coke?
0: A little before my time.
2: Okay. I mean, new Coke is just our Coke now, I would imagine. Because it's got, like, more sugar in it, which is about...
0: No, what... new Coke was basically Pepsi. Um, really? The Coke we have now, if you notice, all says classic. Or it used to always say classic on it or original because of the new Coke. Um, New Coke was so poorly received by fans of Coca-Cola that it didn't sell, and a lot of Coke fans ended up going to Pepsi because of it. New Coke was sweeter, but it was not the same taste. It was a whole different formula. If you had to equate it to something Coke produces now, it's tasted more like when Coke came out with uh, C two years ago, which became something, and then it became like Coke Zero. That's more of the taste it had.
2: Ah, uh, okay.
0: more like that that fake, sugary, Disgusting, ugly taste.
1: Yum, my favorite.
0: Yeah. So it didn't sell well. New Coke lasted maybe all of a year before it was pulled from the shelves and the original formula was brought back with some changes. Okay.
2: Fair enough. Still probably more sugar because, you know, got a pump is full of sugar.
0: Corn syrup, mainly, is that how a lot of them went.
2: Yay. The
1: best for you. Corn Everybody syrup.
0: Everybody uses high fructose corn syrup, Nancy, don't you know?
1: I do know.
0: But you won't find it in vapes.
2: Surprisingly not. <laughs> you can tell. We're still not over this whole vaping thing, guys.
0: Yeah, anyway. So I think something I want to talk about for a minute though is that Dustin does overhear Russian transmissions while he's trying to contact Susie, which was interesting.
2: That is interesting. I I think I think so far. My my biggest hesitation with all of this like jumping straight into Russians is that we're jumping straight into Russians. Like we knew that the Russians were like talked about in season two and that, you know, it was kind of like a joke in season.
1: Two. Yeah.
2: But now it's like, oh no, Russians are here. So we went from like kind of joking about them to talking about them and really having only like one person paranoid about them. And now they're actually here. So it's like, it's next.
1: <laughs> right.
2: But I think we'll save that for later. How did you feel about the Russians being, you know, the focal point?
0: It's the 80s. The show takes place during parts of the end, toward the end of the Cold War in retrospect. But to them, it's at the height of the Cold War. Mm-hmm. Um. It, wouldn't, it doesn't surprise me to see them putting a focus on, like, maybe Russia being the overarching villain, so not villain, so to speak, where we know that the mind player is out there, but the Russians being responsible for a lot of it doesn't seem like it's a far-fetched strategy to think of from, from the way the writing would be. <sighs> I mean, it is the 80s, the Cold War, if Russia does it, America does it, vice versa, you know. Not a very okay. far-fetched idea. Maybe a surfetched idea, but not a far-fetched idea.
1: Okay, that's fair. But um, but Dustin like,
2: intercepting it was was kind of yeah. nifty, and he had like the forethought to also record it as well too, because he just got back from a super smart boy camp because he's our super smart boy.
0: Right. And then something else that I do want to put is it does show Mike having such a. Kinda of like it's showing that the boys have grown in a way by with the certain things they do. And I don't know, just on the first episode, I don't know if I like the direction they're showing Mike's character going. Okay. So what, going what direction being, is So from what we're seeing here is the way he acts toward Harp Hopper being kind of smug, disrespectful, and with his friends, he shows up to do the things with them, but would rather be with eleven and it shows while they're growing up and the dynamic of the voice changing, they're showing him being more kind of this, like, I don't give a shit. I'm getting what I want type attitude to it almost.
1: Mm.
2: Yeah. He does have more of like that, that smug cockiness. And in the first couple of seasons, he really wasn't like that. He was more, more concerned um, with the entire party, but I will say that they did show some, some good, good sides to Mike um, during the movie theater when Will did have his flashback and he's still very attentive to Will.
0: The which concern I... for Will's a different side to it because those two are the out of the party, those two seem to be the closest to between the dynamic between the four of them. Right. So the concern for Will showing is still going to be there I think no matter what because he's always making sure Will's okay in a sense. Um. So that doesn't really show much that would be like the same or a change for a character that's a constant because the concern for will has been amongst the party from the beginning. So they have to carry on that consistency. If they didn't show a concern for will that would change the show. That's true. Because at this point, they've established tropes that they have to almost certainly continue through seasons, which is the concern for Will Byers, um, an overarching threat from this other place that can be referenced back to D&D. Like, these are things they have to, they've kind of established throughout this series already that still have to be hit upon. So you won't see changes like that to the core dynamic versus these small character changes where Mike becomes less concerning about everybody and more smug and, you know, hey, fuck you, I'm gonna do what I want.
1: Right. I just want to make out with eleven all the time.
0: Right. Which cuz you don't see Lucas and Max do that as a dynamic. They're very much still when they're together with the rest of them still very much engaged in the party.
2: Right. They they have a better balance of you know being friends but then also like dating and still being able to like maintain that dynamic.
1: But I guess I
2: guess what I can like in that to is someone that maybe dated someone from another school, if we're going to put it back into like real terms, because I used to date people from other schools. I almost never dated people in my school specifically. I don't know. I don't know how it happened. That's just how it always was. But I do know that when I would finally get the opportunity to see whomever it was I was making out with at the time, because, again, that's all dating at that age really was. <laughs> Like, I, you know, there was a lot more affection than not because it's like, oh, this is like the only opportunity I get to see this person, you know, until next weekend. And since Mike and Elle had that separation where Hopper kept her under wraps for all of season two, for the most part, I can see where it's, you know, a little bit more like heightened, like they're trying to up for lost time, but at the same time, it's also been about a year since the events of last season. So you think it would let up, but it isn't. And I think that's where the problem is.
0: Right. So it's picking up a year later with some characters having not changed and some changing very drastically in the first episode. So now, as the season continues, I'm sure you'll see things normal out, um, normalize out. I should say. But just for a first episode setting it up, it's trying to, it's setting up some major character changes and some major character change dynamics, especially with, you know, seeing grumpy Hopper who tries to make an attempt, but then you have smug Mike be like, nope, I'm gonna do whatever the fuck I want anyway, to which is what causes that scene of Hopper. Telling Mike something's wrong with his grandma, and getting him in the car, and having the thought of we're going to have a conversation, and you're going to listen, and then you'll I'll decide if you're going to be continued to see if you're going to be allowed to continue to see my daughter.
1: But honestly,
2: though, like someone kind of needs to do that with Mike and all the kids, really, because we got to think well, too that it's yeah. only Hopper and uh, Joyce that are really like the parent, the permanent parental figures for all yeah. the
0: kids. I mean. He- yeah, because I mean, as it shows, Mike's mom's off trying to fuck a high school kid or high school, a recent high school graduate, and his dad's a very uninvolved, hands-off father, but at least it shows that scene of, you know, the youngest child sleeping in his lap in a chair with the TV at static. You know, it shows him being a dad, but he's not maybe the most hands-on, most their father. I think with right. Dustin's parents, if I can recall, this may be the first time I've seen his mom that I can remember.
2: Yeah, it is the first time, and it's only his mom. Like, there's no dad in the picture. And, like, I you know, know that from the don't. first two seasons. They we've never mentioned Lucas's Dustin's
0: father. Yeah, and we've seen Lucas's sister, but I don't recall seeing maybe seeing his parents. And if so, very briefly.
2: It was very brief in the second season. It was um, a shot of Lucas's mom when they were doing the opening scenes in the Halloween costume. Gotcha. And she was taking photos. Um, and I think the dad was there as well, too, along with Erica.
0: Yeah, um, sister, his sister. But so, yeah. yeah, really throughout it all, Hopper and Joyce Byers have become the de facto parental. Rip Bob, he was one of them. Rip Bob Newby.
2: Justice for Bob.
0: By the way, I like how his name's Bob Newby, which in, a sim- in The Sims, the first guy you played as in the tutorial home's name was Bob Newby as well.
1: That's great.
0: Spelled with an I-E, not a Y, but...
1: Close enough. Yeah. Oh, and speaking of,
2: um, you know, Bob, and then Justice 4, we haven't even talked about Nancy and Jonathan yet.
0: At all. <laughs> yeah, that's... Like, oh. but to be fair, <laughs> what you see with that is not something you don't expect.
2: Yep. Surprise, like, surprise. They're together on, now.
0: Yeah, based on the way this show has gone over the last two seasons, you expected this moment to happen. It just confirmed it. I do like that she sneaks out of his window to just go get mm-hmm. back in the car with him because he doesn't want his mom to know, even though, you know, Joyce pretty much already knows.
2: Oh, she knows 100% because her and Will even talk about it. Mm-hmm. And then she's like, oh, just to be young and in love. Like, yeah. Will's like, gross.
0: Yeah, so you know, she 100% knows and doesn't say a word about it. And then she's working, they're both working at the paper now. I guess she's an intern, I would assume, is what it seems they're setting up. Yeah. And of course, her ideas aren't respected, which as what she had mentioned talking about downtown and start in the mall, being actually a really good story. Right. And not respecting it. But, you know, and Jonathan, of course, doing what he does, photography. We expected that. Right. He, so, he's got that skill. Yeah, so he's. The main reason I haven't talked about I, I at least that I hadn't brought them up, is they're logically at a point where you expected them to be in a first episode. It just shows, hey, here we are. This is where they are. And that's it. There's really nothing else with them. That's true. Like this episode, it's literally just. That scene and the scene of the, her bringing the breakfast and sandwich or the burgers into everybody while playing Huey Lewis is working for a living, which is a great, great musical choice for that part. By the way, the music in this season so far in the first episode is on point. Oh, the music
2: is fantastic. Like, that's that's one of the things I always enjoy. And I think I've said this legitimately every single Stranger Things deep dive that we've done so far. And I will probably still continue to say it. The music of the show is fan fucking fantastic.
0: I mean, it is if you like 80s. If you don't and like you? 80s, 80s music, you're <laughs> not going to like it. But that's also why you. I do appreciate them bringing in things like Huey Lewis, which, which is a bit of a different audience to just 80s music fans because the news was a different style.
2: It wasn't just the 80s hair metal and rock that, you know, rocked the world for a while.
1: It was on the-, the more.: hey, kind of kind of jazzy side. I,
0: don't, I, don't. So, I guess to at least close out the main episode, and we can talk about some points if we have any left. Um, end of the episode, it shows Billy driving to go meet Mrs. Wheeler. And he gets hit by something unseen and, you know, gets out, checks out his car, and gets drugged inside the mill. Um. So, it does end kind of like it needs to on a cliffhanger. Keep you suspenseful to watch the next episode to see exactly what happens. And, yeah.
1: That's it. I do...
2: I like the way that they've done this the first the first go around. Because I feel they've amped up what they think they can get away with in terms of, like, the the kind of audience for this show. And, like, the the whole Billy scene at the very end I I got I got spooked I done got spooked and
1: See, when I, he
2: got dragged I, I, in I jumped a little bit because I was just like I wasn't you know like when he got grabbed I just I wasn't ready for it um, because they haven't really done that type of scare in this in the series so far because a lot of the suspense has come from like seeing the the entities from the Upside Down, you know, kind of looming and, like, interacting with, like, Will and Eleven. And then Season 2 went in a couple weird spots for a couple different things. But most of it is, like, it's a looming presence, not something that's, like, jumping out to get you. So it was a different type of scare, which I really liked.
0: See, I didn't quite get a scare out of this because I almost expect this show to do something with the jump scare at this point. Um, It was shot well. It was done well, but as for scary, eh, you kind of expect something to happen. It'd been a slow episode.
1: Well, I mean, it was. They almost. have to have
0: something to keep you watching to the next episode. It was nice to see it. Nice to show them do something with Billy other than just make him an asshole. Um, but at the same time, when it comes to scare, I can see where you would say it spooked you a little bit because you didn't know what was going to happen. Mm-hmm. Versus, I kind of looked at it as, I mean, something has to happen. They wouldn't just have some invisible entity hit his car and nothing happened that's how I looked at it
2: well which is fair and I don't don't know if I'm like explaining it right because I'm medicated but it's fine
1: Um, I think it's like it's
2: not like it like scared me or it's not something that I wasn't expecting I just I guess the way that they did it was unexpected and gave me that creep factor Because like, yes, you're right. They do have to do something with a jump scare. And, you know, that's where they're at. I just, you know, I guess like just the combination of like the way that it was shot and the the misdirection. And then also us finding out who they're choosing as the catalyst for this season is nice. It was just I just thought it was well done. And it did give me that that creep factor. Something about getting dragged down stairs in an abandoned factory just doesn't sit right with me. Call me crazy
0: No I and I get it it's just At this point and this is just me speaking Maybe just because I'm looking at this show As not maybe the biggest fan of it But as someone watching it to talk about it as media um, It's fallen in It it does fall into the tropes that they've set up For this show and everything that they've done In every episode so far that's had These certain certain things happen They've set up different things um, In this one that you Expected a payout on that you got that you got the payout for, you know, you wanted to see Billy and more of him based on, you know, the resolution to that night going with Karen Wheeler since that happened early in the episode. Um, and I mean, you do get that with this and they set the, they use that to set up, you know, like you said, the catalyst for it. But again, it sets it up more as a trope for what they've done so far. So they're following into their own familiar areas and comfort <laughs> zones when writing. But they're not pushing anything new in a first episode. Okay, that's fair.
1: I can I can see your points
2: on that. I don't know. I think in terms of like their first episode though, this one did pull out um did pull out a pretty solid performance, I think, out of all the first episodes. I think I like this one the best.
0: Well, they've built and, more uh, into the show at this point, so this arguably would be the best of the premieres because there is now, you're seeing more resolution from the f- four stories, I guess, the best way to from stories that have happened before. So you're seeing that happen. And then, of course, as it's showing ages in the 80s go up as different things come into style, you're seeing that progression as it goes into it as well. And that's what keeps making them be able to improve these first episodes.
1: Right. So
2: but I think, I think they're really, I mean, they're just, they're capturing it more. I think it's, it's all logical with the way that they're, you know, cause there's, there's a formula, unfortunately, that they created fortunately or unfortunately, I guess, it depends on like how you really look at it. Like there is a formula that got created with stranger, stranger things and how like the episodes lay out and like pacing and stuff. And I feel like they're switching up little things here and there. Um, to kind of make it fresh, but without straying too much from the source material, which I think is probably one of like your issues with it is that they're not pushing the boundaries, like you said, in the same way that I think you may have expected them to going into season three. Not to say that's still not enjoyable, but it's just not what
0: right. No, but it's, it's precisely precisely the way they've built the show up from season one with the way they set it up as a as like a mystery science fiction horror show focused around kids so that sets you up with what that expectation of it is going into season two you're getting a resolution from season one and it raises the bar by introducing new dynamics to it with different people now involved when it comes to season three so far with episode one you're not seeing what they've done in the first two episodes of the previous seasons with introduction of new things You're seeing a lot of the same things happening, just as a, here's the boys now, here's Eleven, here's Max. We didn't get what we've gotten each season, which is new characters introduced yet in the first episode. Um, We haven't gotten a major point yet that's going to carry out other than the boys growing apart, in a sense. You know, that's not carrying out more so. There's not much else they've given us that could carry through the rest of the season up until that moment with Billy. And previous seasons, there were a couple of points that started in episode one that may not have gotten resolved until maybe later in the season with a flashpoint. But there's nothing here that gives you the hook to want to see. Wait, where's this scene going to go? Aside from things that they want you to follow. Like the Russians, the boys, the upside down, Billy. Those four (laughs) things that very well. Hey, we want you to follow these. But like they showed in season two, when they're showing Eleven's sister, they didn't build much to, hey, we want you to follow the storyline other than, hey, here's this that may get resolved. <coughs> at that point, nobody knew who she was.
1: And see,
2: my and all, I, I, I still have. As issues.
0: much as I hate that character, the way they did <laughs> that to introduce who it was by not showing you any link other than the fact that she has the same kind of power. Sets up that there's more going on that season. This season, it's setting up that it's a continuation of last season,
1: right? So I guess we'll have to see. I mean, they did introduce the
2: new character. I don't want to. I don't want to gloss over that. Um, <laughs> the one, uh, the girl that works with Steve at basically
0: Baskin Robin yes but they didn't um, set her up like they did the others they just set her up as true. a normal supporting character like they set up Bob as a normal supporting character when they set up Eleven's sister and they set up Eleven in the beginning they didn't set them up as just a normal supporting character in the first episode right like all we know is she works we like we know she works with Steve we know they have some kind of you know relationship with each other when it comes to being friendly and her giving him a lot of grief about things Robin, but it that's didn't name, Robin. yeah but did it set up any reason for us to want to see more about her moving forward unlike it did with 11 sister or Eleven's introduction
1: okay that's fair
0: and those again both set in first episodes
2: yeah that's true i don't know i still have my feelings on the whole Eleven sister thing and
0: Oh no she's a horrible character but
2: Horrible character and like we spent way too much time With it and I just I don't know That that I've fleshed out all my feelings On a previous podcast about that I'm not going to try to rehash them
0: here No most definitely I, don't need to do that here <laughs> I only bring her up to just the point Of how she was introduced to the series Right so she was fair. a good character But her introduction you have to admit when you looked At it you're like wait who is that You didn't know who she was yeah, I was
2: more like on
0: either And When they showed off eleven for the first time before she really made an appearance with the boys and just kind of in the scenes, you're still wondering who is this? Wait, what is this? Right.
2: Why is this the way that it is?
0: Versus this episode with the new character Robin, it's not who is she? Why is she there? It's oh she works there. You kind of already figured it all out.
2: Yeah. And is Susie real? I think that's the question that I'm gonna
0: I... leave. Yeah. Is leave Susie real? That is the million dollar question. Does she count mm-hmm. as a new character, even if she isn't real?
2: Um, yeah. Because the idea of her.
0: But then again, we already know who she is. She's Dustin's quote unquote girlfriend until confirmed.
2: <laughs> Do you think he has a quote unquote girlfriend?
0: You know what? Or is kid? it a you know eight. what? I, I wouldn't put you know, and here's the thing. If he was gonna be making this up, he probably wouldn't have built a system a radio tower to just be able to talk to her. Okay. Like, that's my thought. But she never answered. Again, well, time zones. (laughs) Like (laughs) Indiana and Utah,
2: a little different.
0: You know, there's an hour difference there. Um, Maybe she doesn't get reception, you know, receiving. He can broadcast. Maybe she can't broadcast back. You never know. Um, Now, would I put it past him being a kid and be like, I'm going to build this big thing so I can tell all my friends this story that's not true? Oh, totally, it could happen. I kind of fall in the middle of that camp.
2: (laughs) You don't go to such extreme lengths to prove you're a bullshitter. Um, You just kind of do the moderate level of bullshitting.
0: Right, it's more of like, why would you, like, if you were lying, why would you go through so much to bullshit about it? If you weren't lying, you know, then you went through a lot to do it. So, we'll find out.
1: We'll find out.
2: And I think that about wraps up our little intro to our season of Spoop.
0: Yes, join us next week. We'll talk about episode two, The Mall Rat. Well, that was some strange conversation.
2: Yeah, we almost flipped it all the way upside down.
0: I don't know. (laughs) I guess things have to go on, though, right?
2: Yes, the thing must go on.
0: So that brings us to tech news this week. So let's dive right in. This week, a French (laughs) court ruled that Valve has to allow users to resell games on Steam. Really? Noted that Valve is appealing this, so it's not changing anything on Steam yet. But if this ruling does stand. What's going to be coming to like the PC gaming network is an experience as much as we give shit to GameStop. Kind of that experience now. You can start buying used digital copies of games. Here's the kicker. A used digital copy is just a code, which means it's just the game installed on your PC and performance is based on that, not based on disk condition. So it's basically like buying the game brand new for a much cheaper price.
1: This is going to change the entire industry.
0: Yeah, no. and I think it might be for the better because then it would give developers a reason now to drop game prices. Because spending 60 bucks for the latest game is still a little expensive. Yes, it, there's a lot that goes into it, and this is where the resale market comes in. The thing is, if it goes through Valve and Valve has to approve onto Steam, theme, feasibly speaking... The developers are going to get a cut now as well.
2: Right. Now, I I did hear a little bit of shade in that because I'm sure you're still a little salty about the price.
0: (laughs) Um, I'm not spending $60 for something that should have been $40. My argument stands that Dark Souls Remastered was brought out as $40 for the Switch. Why couldn't Nintendo have just put that game at $40? All they did was upgrade the graphics and add one new feature. Big one. You
2: can, you can remix dungeons. It's not even build your own.
0: And they took away my favorite decks. feature of this fucking game. What is that? I had to modernize it. And there's a reason I haven't, I'm still haven't bought it. Because in the original Game Boy release, you could actually take your sword and shield out of your possession and store them in your inventory and equip two other items. So you could have a feather and bombs and be able to just jump around and drop bombs. Or the powder, or the bow and arrow, and bombs equipped and you wouldn't have a sword or a shield. So
2: truly customizable to your preference of playing style
0: taken away. Or you know, just your way of wanting to do things or your optimal loadout. Maybe you don't want to use the shield, but you want to have something else like I always did. I had the sword and bombs as my go-to. But no, now it's all sword and shield equipped and you can equip the two other items. So they made an easier game even easier.
2: Oh, yay. So
0: we'll get a review of maybe, it one day, trust me. I'm um, gonna go yes game, I guarantee <laughs> it. Like Nintendo does well and I praise them, but when Nintendo does wrong, I'm going to talk shit. And so far they have not impressed me with this. So I'm probably gonna buy this game used in about a month or so at like 40 bucks.
2: See, or maybe the ruling after the appeal will be super quick. Just kidding. That's not how courts work. But in an in an ideal world, this would get rectified and then we'd be able to buy used copies digitally of the remaster
0: of Link's Awakening I mean, let's be fair though, Nintendo you can already resell cartridges for the Switch, and a cartridge itself is a whole different media source than a disc is and you don't have to worry about scratching because a cartridge is simple to clean you just take some rubbing alcohol and a Q-tip to the contacts and it's done you don't have to resurface it
2: (laughs) you don't have to blow on it
0: you don't have to wait for it to. You don't blow on cartridges that actually damages them. Popular to con- popular belief. Blech. Sorry, Contrary cards are hard. To popular, yes. Contrary to popular belief, you don't blow on cartridges. It it can damage them from moisture contact. Oh
2: yeah, and all the bacteria that's in your mouth and certain levels of acids will erode things. Just don't blow yeah. do on your cartridges,
0: I mean, guys. You can buy cards and stuff that like are pre-soaked, like the things you'd use to to clean an ATM or. a pay a card swipe at a, a store that would clean Credit it. card reader. Yeah, mm-hmm. but I just go with good old rubbing alcohol on a Q-tip.
2: Yeah, don't complicate it. It's easy.
0: That's how I clean all my electronic components, to be honest.
1: Best way to do it, I think. So, I like the idea of, You know, I guess... I never really
2: thought about reselling purchase games via, you know, PC. I guess it's because I'm not a elite PC gamer.
0: PCMR. Um, PCMR.
2: <laughs> so I am I am not of that. I have a very crappy Dell that I love so much, and I don't want anything to happen. It's like just a laptop. Um. So I don't spend a lot of gaming time on my laptop, and I'm still definitely more of the console. So I never really thought about the reselling or purchasing, and then even having like buyer's remorse of so I bought this game on my PC and I thought it was going to be great, but it turned out it wasn't the game for me. We're just kind of stuck with it.
0: Exactly. Because there's the no return. You can go to GameStop. You can return it. You can do a yeah. number of things, but you can't with with a PC game. But actually, speaking but does, over real quick. You saw last night for the first time a true PC gaming rig.
2: I did. It was massive.
0: <laughs> like it was I make the obvious. assumption it's for the first time because that is what that rig is dedicated for is for gaming.
2: Yeah, that would be the first time. Now, I know a lot of people that have like rebuilt PCs, but not necessarily for gaming. Mm-hmm. Um and I know a lot of people that are PC gamers, but I haven't seen their setup. You know, it's different types of I, I'm surrounded by the PC Master Race, but I've never seen a full, full-fledged full setup.
0: So do you know why that tower was so big?
2: Well, I imagine it's from the cooling fans that are in there. The-
0: yeah, it's strictly you just have- that airflow. Mm-hmm. Airflow. And I,
2: I do know that there's different types of coolants, because, like, you've got fan, there's... That
0: mm-hmm.
2: is, like was new maybe like seven, eight years ago and is now fairly standard across the board. So I know there's a I know a very novice amount of a PC lot of building.
0: A <laughs> lot of big gaming enthusiasts and PC building enthusiasts now have all moved into just liquid cooling. And I'm fascinated by trying to figure out how to make that work myself on a tower. Because that'd just be cool. I'll RGB be coolant. It. Well, <laughs> Because, like, <laughs> my laptop, for example, is a gaming laptop. And the big thing in the PC gaming races, apparently, is RGB. Everything has to have fucking RGB.
2: But yeah, it's all about the aesthetic. RGB my keyboard aesthetic. My
0: has RGB. My, my laptop flashes RGB. Your so, headphones. Yeah. Oh, my, lap- my, la- my headphones are just blue. Just blue LED. Oh. But it's still useless because I don't see the LED. It's just I know it's there. Right. Um. That's one of my complaints is I just... I think RGB is a useless use of power. A useless waste of power.
1: Definitely. But it it's,
0: cool. it's
2: like the little vampire... You call it like the vampire lights of like things that you like have plugged in. And they just have the one little status light that's continuously just eating power. Unless you unplug it.
0: Yep. That's exactly how I feel about the LEDs. But ultimately when I build my, my rig, it will have LEDs.
2: <laughs> I... But would just like to have a nice setup. I honestly don't think I would use it for gaming per se. I would probably want to build my my ideal PC, I think, would probably be built more around art stuff so I can make things for the podcast and things for myself and actually explore the world of digital media, which I'm only like kind of dabbling in because I have to.
0: (laughs) Right. I understand that that feeling. Podcast-obligated stuff. However so i enjoy it though yeah so i just I guess need better we'll tools an, we'll keep updating this as more happens because this is fascinating could really change some of the way the game game industry is done um it's gonna also flip everything it upside down may widen its court action to include other platforms like the um epic game store which i have my own feelings about <laughs> so that sounds like you're not going to disclose here no that's for another time um but from one court to another, I say, we're going to talk about. Are the we supreme talking court. tennis? Oh, no, never mind. I think we're going to talk about <laughs> the Supreme Court for a minute.
2: Ooh, Supreme Court, kind of like a supreme taco from Taco Bell. No,
0: I'm kidding. I don't.
2: Just ignore me. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I'll give you a that. So I'll take it. <laughs> supreme Court, Facebook. What do they have in common?
1: They make people angry. Yeah,
0: so Facebook is creating its own Supreme Court.:
1: Oh, oh, what is the Supreme
2: Court going to do?
0: Essentially, it's going to be where you can appeal blocks and bans.
2: Oh, so when I post something that's totally OK with the person I'm talking to, but Facebook gets all butt hurt and it's
1: like, you can't post for a' could hurt someone's feeling. I could appeal that.
0: Yeah, so here's the thing with it. All right, so it's their Supreme Court for content. It's an oversight board that's gonna decide what to do about continuous material, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, I mean the the question really comes on this: is are they Facebook employees? Is Mark Zuckerberg? Um, last year he said that the board. Ads, you know, like the Facebook board's ads is the giant su- Supreme Court. Um, This is just weird to me. So Facebook essentially regulating itself to kind of adhere to you if it violates free speech or not is what I get out of them doing this. And I don't I don't see how it's going to work. Especially if Facebook employees are involved because it's not independent. It's very one-sided. It's very a biased look. Right.
2: This is what Facebook is going to permit or not. And if that's the case, if they are true Facebook employees, I honestly don't feel like having a Supreme Court for Facebook is going to change anything.
0: Now... You know, let's say they get a mix of like employees and outside names and such, where they can kind of get in there.
2: Let's get some MySpace folk up in here.
0: Then, <laughs> then maybe it could work. So it's going to depend on who they get involved. It's just weird to me. So they want to launch it. They want to use it to figure out what content can result. When content can result in urgent real-world consequences as well, so they're going to submit it to review things. And if I guess if it's of a real, real urgent cause, they'll be able to report it to the appropriate things, which works. You know, for example, if someone's mass a mass murderer and live-streaming crimes, that can work to help track them down. Right. But what does it do for the small meme page out there that gets content banned for 30 days? They have somewhere to appeal to problem already is they do have somewhere to appeal to and it takes them 30 days to get back
2: right so they they're banned for 30 days and it's like oh we banned but the amount of time for the appeal is usually equal or a couple days less than the ban sentence
0: yeah so this is trying to go through to edit out obviously to go through the whole fake news fake news fake news in the u.s media Mm -hmm. what is this really going to crack down on Meme pages. And unfortunately, the meme pages of the right side the most are what's going to get affected by this.
2: Right, because there is still a liberal bias in all things Facebook. And I know we've kind of touched on this, and I don't really want to dive into that part of it
0: again. No, Um, but the bias of the media will have something to do with that but it's also going to be based on those who report it and those who get offended by memes about a certain political figure that makes them seem in a certain positive light get reported. Right. Memes that, rep- that you know, I'll be funny could are definitely considered could be considered offensive joking material. I wouldn't consider it anything that would be overly offensive to ruin someone's life with offense on it, you know? Right. Um, but like, You report memes, and that's one thing. Because memes are jokes. They're words. Or pictures. Sometimes they don't even have words. By words and pictures, you might not be ready for the real world outside of Facebook. Right,
1: because the real world's got way more
2: messed up stuff, and it's frustrating because you can't just take a screenshot and then cancel that person's entire life because they said something to you on the street. Unless it's Facebook.
1: Antonio Brown, Oof.
2: yeah. Unless you're Antonio <laughs>
0: Brown and decide to tweet to text back at people alleging <sighs> you of things to call them out when the NFL has when the NFL explicitly told you not to do it, so you lost your job,
1: all because.
0: <sighs> I mean, that's a whole another can of nutshells. But he's an idiot,
2: just a little bit
0: whether it's true or not the whole situation has made him look like a clown put on the red nose
2: no don't do that because people are way into the whole clown there's like a whole clown fetish thing that's blowing up on facebook right now and other parts of the internet and I'm not for it
1: because I don't mess with clowns because it I I
2: know and I don't don't fuck with clowns so now everyone's like you don't want them to to be your
1: balloon daddy (laughs)
2: <laughs> they're just all over the place and i hate it it's the one thing a spoop season that i hate more than anything else there's well, so many other scary things on the face of the planet why does it have to be so
0: prevalent buying you a clown <laughs> that's it that's your birthday present i'm getting you a clown
2: don't do it i don't feel like having a mental breakdown you're gonna trigger me and it's not gonna be fun and i'm gonna report you and get you facebook banned Because the Supreme Court isn't going to be there yet.
0: But what if I don't do it in Facebook? What if I just do it in real life and just buy you a clown doll? Then you can't report me to Facebook. Then you'd have to find a way to cancel culture my life. Good luck. We'll make you the first one to do it so we can talk about it on the podcast.
2: (laughs) I don't know if you're going to want to talk to me if I try to cancel your life.
0: (laughs) I don't know. I'm pretty easygoing. I mean, that South Park and quiz told me I was, you know, could blend into a crowd. I'm pretty easy going.
2: Oh, see, that South Park quiz is like, you're a natural-born leader. And you are able to think things through, even through tough times. And I got a whole bunch of great ones.
1: It was good. that South Park quiz. It so, was a lot of fun.
0: F- Facebook has the oversight. Open- I just... This, I guess we'll have to see what happens with it once this board's actually in place and things happen. Will it change? Probably not. But hey, Facebook's regulating itself.
2: Well, I mean, after everything that Zuckerberg has gone through with having to actually meet with Congress and, you know, sit and talk about Facebook and everything, I can imagine the spotlight is still very much on them. So trying to, I guess, stay ahead of the curve so they don't get called to EC again. It's probably a smart business move, but this is probably more—it's all—it's all for mirror, like smoke and mirrors. It's all flashy. It's you know, yeah. look, we're doing something. So yeah. that's my attitude towards it. Until I'm wise,
0: yeah, nothing's gonna change from it. So I wouldn't even worry. Things are still gonna get reported and not taken care of or resolved because one person finds something offensive and no one else does. And that's the problem. It really turns down to, especially with meme pages, what your opinion of comedy is.
2: Yeah. And comedy is very broad and it's always ever-changing and it's evolved.
0: It's very subjective into what you enjoy and don't enjoy with comedy. And that's where having an oversight board might help kind of look at it in a certain way. But ultimately, it's going to be their view of, is this a joke too offensive? Is this joke too far?
1: Right. But
2: there's also, I mean, the thing with comedy is, too, and I can, I, I kind of talked about this with you when we were talking about the Dave Chappelle comedy show that had appeared on Netflix, his latest comedy special, Sticks and Stones. And how, it, I mean, it even opens up in a really, <laughs> really rough place. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people were quick to be like, I, I can't do that. He's gone too far but that's the whole point of being like a comedian and like being in comedy is to push push the envelope cross over that line but it has to be done in a tasteful way well and it, that's that's the art of comedy that a lot of people really can't hit on they can try to emulate someone or try to tell a joke and it just falls flat because they lack the proper presentation and i think full understanding of the the circumstance
0: perhaps but I mean, again, but this is why maybe an oversight board for Facebook is a good thing. Because at least then they'll be able to maybe dr- be able to draw a more clear line as to what's going to cross Facebook's line. Um, because like it Instead is. Instead of comedy's... just figuring it out as we go. <laughs> yeah. It's 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 more of, you know, them trying to, to get ahead of the curve in a way. And honestly, if this works, then I could see places like Twitter and I could see Google doing things like this to help police their own platforms and have their own boards to... To verify things, and Twitter needs it probably
2: more than anyone no, else. No, I kidding. think
0: YouTube could benefit from this the most with claims. Yeah, with all claims.
2: the com copyright claims, and they're they're changing the copyright claim at least a bit, but they're I still don't it think more, it's
0: enough. They're making it more creator friendly, and then they were trying to do it with the verified accounts to make it one way, and then they had their fiasco where they went to take that away. And brought it, and then, you know, the the outpouring of anger from that, they brought back your verified check mark instead of a highlight on it so people could tell that you are the verified commenter and not someone spoofing your account, that you can then report those spoofs and Google can ban them. Right. Um, But an oversight board more when it comes to copyright claims. So already you get a copyright strike and you get to find out where it is and you have the option to remove that part. But if it's an integral part to your video and you don't feel it's copywritten... You should be able to have a more independent review board look at it that can include experts from that, are, you know, of opinion and practice law in other countries, copyright courts, to get that into it. And so you not only have someone looking at American copyright law that's violating it, but hey, does this violate copyright law in this country or this country where it's uploaded from? And have all of them on the board to figure out the ethics of it.
2: See now, the only the only caveat I have that and it i guess it's because i consume a lot of youtube and i do listen to a lot of youtube talk about this type of stuff is the problem with the copyright strike is basically once the copyright strike happens that video is dead the demonetization is almost instant and by the time it takes to get a copyright strike removed and then for the up the video to get like you know, back on back on track because once it's copyright stricken, it also gets taken off of like recommended, and there's a whole bunch of like algorithm stuff that yes, kind of falls of in with that as too. Right. So even with this board oversight, I unfortunately still don't even think that's going to be enough to save from copyright strikes it because it's just a time. But it, it it'll it would, still be better for the creators in the long well, run for the longevity of a video.
0: Yeah, in the YouTube example, it wouldn't save it from a copyright strike because it's still going to happen, but it may make it a quicker process of reviewing it when you can have it quickly sent to a live person that knows something quickly. Or if it can go up to that before it's automatically done, when the strike's put through before it's applied, that strike automatically is reviewed by the board before it's applied, so it could be denied before it hits the creator. That would be an ideal way for it to work.
1: Okay. Yeah, so that... let's
0: say with a Dragon Ball creator showing clips of Dragon Ball, let's say Funimation and Toei both file a copyright strike on it. Well, the first thing they have to look at is what it's in. Is it parody? Is it, you know, a fan dub? Is it just using a still image, et cetera? And then go and does it qualify for copyright in America? No. So we can deny the strikes on that if the video is uploaded from here. If it's uploaded from Japan, for example, you can, they can send it over and someone based from maybe YouTube Japan looks at it. And be like, no, this violates, yes, this violates the law. You can't use this in Japan. And bam, strike goes down. So it happens at a mid-level between the two. And I think that's okay. what has to happen.
2: Yeah, I think that would be a little bit more. more of like
0: with this, with the Facebook review board, instead of pulling that post or dropping that 30-day ban hammer, it goes to the board before it's dropped. So the board can make that review itself. Because then if you want to appeal to them, they give, you're getting a second chance to look at it and explain why you don't think it is. Instead of your first appeal to them telling you, to, having to plead your case to people who have never seen it. Right. Because if it instantly goes up with a the joke, they don't know your point of view. So let's say they drop the ban, and then you're able to give them that, they may be able to more quickly remove that. So instead of it taking a 30-day process to get a ban removed, it could take 5 days, 10 days maybe. Right.
2: I think it's also going to depend on like how much manpower. Just because of the obscene amount of content on either platform. Like I know it's not really getting implemented for YouTube. YouTube would it would require so much manpower for something like that, I think. And even it with would. Facebook. So it's really gonna depend too on like how much they plan on investing in this um ultimately like
0: for a copyright strike example for youtube it could be an automated computer program that can automatically scan a database of copyright laws and then deny based on what it sees from the video it's not hard with ai in the way it's going now an ai could be able to feasibly do something like that
1: don't tell youtube don't tell youtubers that because then they're going to get even more mad at youtube
0: (laughs) just logistically and cost speaking right Google's already so, developing AI, so there's a perfect way to implement a test for it. See if it can yeah. handle it independently, and if it can, you can implement it on its own. Yep, yeah, give it into, like,
2: a small test market.
0: Oh, have, it, have it drop to the YouTube betas.
2: hmm And then just see, see what happens.
0: Yeah. I mean, with the amount of time we spend on these devices using these apps and the amount of content we all consume, it'd be nice for them to be able to keep showing us that content. And these boards may help that. In Facebook's case, though, I just don't know because it's Facebook and I don't trust them.
2: Yeah, Facebook's burned enough bridges, but I still use it. I mean, we both
1: still
2: use it. And
0: that's the thing. We all use it because it's a necessary evil in a sense. I could probably put down Facebook and walk away. I still have the phone numbers of everybody I need to talk to without using Facebook. It's more convenient for me to use Facebook.
1: Yeah, but then we had to go back to
2: texting. And I hated when we had that.
0: Yes, I mean, we <laughs> talked about that last week. But like Facebook, all I use it for anymore, I don't even post on Facebook. Other than for the, po- other than for the podcast here, I don't post on Facebook much. I share memes. I'm surprised I haven't been given a 30-day ban.
2: It's coming. It'll get you. I I I don't post at all. It
0: may not be a bad thing because then I can't be on Facebook for 30 days. I don't want to be able to use Messenger for 30 days.
2: No, I wouldn't be able to talk to you for a month.
0: (laughs) Oh, well, rip you. Rude. (laughs) I think a month would mean you're like out of my life permanently. I'd have to come back like I did time in prison. You change, man. Wouldn't know what to do on the outside.
2: Really a month apart is all it's like all these years of friendship and all. Of being.
0: Well, I think it'd be more of a month away from Facebook coming back as a new man.
2: Yeah, you're going to be like, I saw the sun. What are you going to do when you go to the bathroom, though?
0: Like, Read a if book.
2: you were
0: like. Which is I'm honestly kidding. all I do. So unlike most people who sit on the toilet now and use their phone, the only time I do that is if I'm in a place where I don't have a book.
1: Oh. But do you know do you so I'm gonna maybe I don't know if
2: I want to ask you a personal no, question. <laughs> But while ahead.
1: you're while but you're yeah. in
2: there, about how long are you sitting there reading the book? How how long is your me time when you're going to the bathroom?
0: It depends. Well, On give how me an average. <laughs> I oh, don't know, anywhere between three to ten minutes, depending.
2: Depending on what was for dinner, depending on where the moon is in the sky. <laughs>
0: how hydrated I am, you know, position of um, Venus in the sky in, 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 in relation to Artemis, you know, all that. <laughs> is it high tide, low tide? You know, it all depends. But usually I read, a, I can get through either a couple pages or a chapter in my book, depending on how long I'm in there.
1: Okay. So, there's a reason I bring this up. And right. that
2: reason is is doctors are warning that using your phone
1: while you go to the bathroom is giving people hemorrhoids.
0: Doesn't surprise me.
1: No, not so much.
0: I mean, popular, um, popular wisdom is if you sit on the toilet seat for too long, you're going to end up with hemorrhoids.
2: Right. Um, and it's and it's because like, I mean, like you're just kind of sitting there. You're not, you know, pumping and dumping and so, calling it a day.
0: Are you telling me this is why preparation H is flying off the shelves because millennials have hemorrhoids? Is this why preparation H is still in the market? Wow. Mm-hmm.
2: It's it's not for this this ain't your mama's preparation H no more. We're coming like, in hot. I put
0: lidocaine in that shit now.
2: Really? That's kind of terrifying because I use lidocaine, to well, they put lidocaine
0: repeatedly. They put a lidocaine, and I I have icy hot with lidocaine in it.
2: Ooh, that actually sounds nice,
0: though. So yeah,
2: to get numbed from it being like a little too cold, but then also a little too hot. So, but yeah. like you get the effects of it. Yeah, I'm for that. You're right. Um, but yeah, so apparently spending too much time on your phone while you're just kind of sitting there. After your business is done. And I know we probably all do it, especially at work when you're on the clock and you've got that me time and you're like, hey, let me just sit here
0: for a second. You <laughs> know, thinking about it, I should probably put, make this clear to our listeners. Do not swap icy hot lidocaine for preparation H with lidocaine. <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> and if you do feel free to write me your experience so we can share it on the podcast.
1: We can do a dramatic reading.
0: Yes. I'll do a D&D voice.
1: And <laughs> we'll,
2: we'll, we'll make a whole sketch out of it. It would be fantastic.
0: Some, we'll get you some nice background music. We'll make it classy. You know, classy violin music. Make it like Masterpiece Theater up in here.
2: I'll, I'll light a candle just for it to be ceremonious. <laughs> Although that will not be
1: noted on the podcast, but the candle will be there in spirit. So Oh so it's <laughs>
2: Yes, and I like that this article will actually, that I'm looking at here um, kind of ties in, like, the symptoms of hemorrhoids. But it's a UK article, so they yeah, call so it
0: Piles. Yes, <laughs> its proper name is, is Piles. Um, it's kind of nice, so that way you can actually find out if you have them or not.
1: Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I mean... You would just, you know, look through here. Maybe kind of curb your habits on your phone a little bit.
0: (laughs) Or maybe just go back to
2: reading the shampoo bottles.
0: Or, you know, just read a book. It's easy to put down. You won't get hooked to your phone like you're watching a YouTube video and got to finish your 10-minute video. You can put a bookmark in a book. I mean, you can pause a YouTube video, though. You know, there's prime marketing material here. They could call them asteroids, (laughs) or androids.
2: Androids. That's hey. I mean, that's perfect right there.
0: But, but I guess
2: our I guess our PSA of the day, guys, is just pump and dump.
0: Yeah, pump and dump. Three shakes, and you're playing with it.